Good morning. Like singing that song, Victory in Jesus, seriously? Felt like I was nine again. It was so great. Um, they were practicing that song this morning as, as I kind of came in to prepare. And I, w- I want to say, like, that song brings back such good memories to me. But one of the, the most vivid memories to me was this, the word sought. Uh, this, has, this is no theological, like, what I'm about to say is just silly. So, um, like, I thought sought was a word as an as a eight, nine-year-old kid. Sought was a word that was made up to rhyme with bought. Like, what is sought? Because I, I knew, I thought that it was because I knew the word air. That wasn't a word. So we're just throwing words around. Um, but it, like, it brought back memories for me to, to, to sing that song, uh, you know, big choir and, and a big uh, organ and, and, and just the vitality of, of a moment growing up in a, in a, in a big church. Um, and, but the beautiful part is, is all that's still real and still true and still powerful. We have victory in Jesus because of what happened on the day we celebrate today. Yes, thank you. Thank you. That's, uh, like, it's so great. Um, let's pray and, and open the word this morning. God, I thank you so much for Jesus. God, I thank you so much for Jesus. God, may we center around his resurrection this morning. May we, God, put in us an excitement. Put in us an excitement for for the the truth of what happened that, that caused Peter and John to, to run to the empty tomb that they had heard was empty, that caused people to proclaim your truth in front of men who had the power to kill them. But, but God, mostly would you bring us face to face with your son Jesus this morning so that you might show the immeasurable riches of your grace and your kindness toward us, to this, to this world, to this community. You are a good and holy and wonderful God who has providentially and sovereignly encountered us. And God, now I ask you to give us a, a fresh encounter with you on an old story that we all know well, Father. And may that fresh encounter change us this morning. Thank you for Jesus. In his name I pray. Amen. Uh, If you have your Bible, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2 this morning, um, the passage that Kelly just read for us. Um, The resurrection, we're in the middle of our series, Not Your Own, and we're going to center on the resurrection and how the resurrection is ours, but it's it's not your own. It's, It's yours, but it's not your own. Uh, the resurrection is the greatest event that's ever happened on this earth, and it's worthy our, of our attention and our celebration. But this morning, I want us to press into this and see how the resurrection is not simply for us, but for the purpose of drawing attention and affection and thoughts towards the grace and kindness of our God. Because 
the resurrection is not just about Jesus no longer being dead. It's, it's easy to see. That, like, we've sung songs this morning, and, and we've heard sermons preached our, our whole lives, and, and we, we know that the resurrection is not just about Jesus no longer being dead, but it's about the result that echoes through eternity. And what, what I want to contend for us, and, and the freshness that I think I want to bring us to this morning, is the resurrection for you is not just about you no longer being dead, and not just about, uh, you know, the song we just sang. We're going to, I've heard about the mansion he's built for me in glory, and the streets of gold and crystal sea. It's not just about that. It's about drawing attention to a good and holy Father filled with grace and filled with mercy and filled with kindness. So just like the resurrection is not about Jesus no longer being dead, it's about the effects of it. The resurrection for you and what you own in the resurrection is not just about you, but it should ripple beyond just this morning uh, and just yourself. So let's, let's turn our attention to Ephesians chapter 2 starting in, in verse 1, and we're going to see four things that, like Jesus, we are. Uh, the first one is, like Jesus, we were willing, we were willingly moving toward our death. Like Jesus, we willingly move toward our death. In Matthew 26, verse 53, it says, Do you think that I cannot appeal to my Father, and He will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels but how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? By nature, Jesus is God. It tells us that in other passages in scripture, in Philippians in particular, that by nature, Jesus is God. It tells us that also in John. He is perfect and unwavering in his obedience. So Jesus, here in Matthew 26, willingly moves towards his death. That In Matthew 26, when he says this, it's just after Peter has cut off the, the ear of the guard, and he says, Peter, let it be. Because if, if I wanted to, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have to deal with this. But Jesus willingly goes towards his death, and, and we willingly go towards our death, but in a different way. Romans three fourteen through 17, it's some bitter and awful language. It says this, their throat is an open grave. This is talking about you before Christ. Let me, let me say that again. This is talking about you before Christ. It's talking about you willingly moving towards your own death. Not because you're obedient, but because you're inescapably fallen in nature. Verse 13, their throat is an open grave. I want you to visualize the nastiness of that. When you open your mouth disease, death comes out. Their tongues deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. This is true of you pre-Christ. And then verse 16 is, is a great verse. It says, in their paths are ruin and misery. And the, the Greek language there is, is connotating this, what we're moving towards. What we're moving towards is ruin and misery. The, the same idea. If we got on 70 West, in our path, 
what we're moving towards would be Columbia, would be Kansas City, would be Denver. The same idea for us moving towards our death, traveling down the 70 west of our lives, which bring us to ruin and misery. Then Ephesians 2 in, in our passage this morning, starting in verse 2, in which you once walked, following the course of this world. Again, this is an inescapably fallen nature that we are under. We followed the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind. And then look at this last phrase. And we were by nature children of wrath. The nature of who we were was children of wrath. The nature of who Christ is is a child of God, the, the, a, a child of, of obedience. We were, by nature, children of, of wrath. We were slaves to our faulty desires. And just like Christ, we willingly move towards our death. But it's Christ's perfect nature and our imperfect nature that takes us there. The second thing I want us to see, very simply, like Jesus... We were once dead. We gathered on Friday night to celebrate Good Friday, and it was, it was a great celebration with four different churches and lots of different faces, lots of different colors, lots of different traditions and styles in the room celebrating death. That doesn't make any sense, except for today. Um, I said that night that I, I'd read a quote, we are Easter people living in a Good Friday world. Think about that. We are Easter people living in a Good Friday world. There's death and misery and pain and and hardship and and racism and poverty and hunger and all these things are, are prevalent in our world, but we are Easter people because we know what's coming. But like Jesus, we were once dead. Mark 15, 7 says, and Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. I want to just stop for a second. And, and like, let's really, let's really connect with that. Let's, like, we're wearing our nice clothes today and there's flowers around us. And, and we've probably had people text us. Or we've seen tweets and say, he is risen, he is risen indeed. And, and we've seen it on, on, like, everywhere we look around. But I, I, want, us to, I want us to connect with the fact of Mark 15, 7, Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. Like there was a point where Jesus was, he was dead. He wasn't alive anymore. And that's a, that's a, a big thing. And it, and it brings us to Ephesians 2, 1, which says, You were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. I think it's easy for us around this season, as springtime begins to happen, and as the calendar tells us it's Easter, it's easy for us to reflect on the death of Jesus. But I think it's hard for us, at least it's hard for me, sometimes to understand that there was a point in my life when I was spiritually dead, inescapably fallen, unable to see and know the things of God and to relate to Christ. I was spiritually dead. It's very simply, Jesus was once dead and 
so are we. The third thing I want us to see this morning is, like Jesus, we have been made alive together with Christ. I want you to look at all caps, some of that. You have been made made alive with Christ. You've been made alive with Christ. You've been made alive with Christ. I'm really, really trying to pull you guys here. You've been made alive with Christ. Like maybe you don't understand your death. Maybe you don't understand the 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 grossness that is inside of you pre-Christ. Maybe in order to really see the light, we need to understand the darkness. We need to understand, we need to go back to Romans 3 where it says that our mouths were as open graves. But we have been made alive with Christ. We've been made alive with Christ. Mark 16, 6. We celebrate Easter this morning. We know the tomb was empty. And we've, we've, Jeff read the, the scripture from Mark 16 this morning. The, the, the Marys walk into the garden and they, they saw that how we're going to anoint his body because this big stone is there. And they got there and the stone was we, We've heard the stone was rolled away. He's risen indeed. We've heard all of those things. But just that same way, we've been made alive. Mark 16, 6, and he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who is crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. Like, there are four beautiful, beautiful words there. He is not here. Death is no longer here. We've been made alive with Christ. The resurrection, again, I said this before, I'm going to say it again. The resurrection is not about Jesus no longer being dead. The resurrection is about the results that echo through eternity. It didn't end with Jesus. The resurrection of Jesus didn't end with Jesus. The resurrection of you does not end with you, just like Jesus. Because in Ephesians 2.5, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. We need to realize that the resurrection is not simply a gift that ends with our victory in Jesus. It's more than that. Because God has given it to us as a gift to steward, to draw attention to himself. And we'll get to that in a second. Jesus was dead, but was made alive. We were dead, but were made alive. And just like we celebrate the life of Jesus, we ought to be celebrating the life that he's placed inside of us. The last thing I want us to see this morning is that like Jesus, we have been raised and are now with Christ. Ephesians 2, 6, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This is incredible news and the point of all this the resurrection the reason for our celebration not just that jesus is is no longer dead that echoes to eternity but you have been raised and and here's here's what i I want us to see and connect with the the freshness i think to bring on this this easter story jesus is no longer in the grave when the the angel said to the marys he's no longer here 
he's no longer there because he got up and physically walked out of the, of the tomb. He's no longer here. In the same way that Jesus was raised to have a new life and have life and walk around this planet again, is the same thing that's happened to us spiritually. And it's not about you. It's not about heaven. It's not about where you're going. Though those things are true and though it is partially about that, what it's about now is that the resurrection is yours, but it's not your own. It doesn't end with you. You, you tracking with that? Just like Jesus, the resurrection just, didn't just end with him. He wasn't just alive now and he says, go have a life again. It's like he was sick and he's not sick anymore. See, he was dead and he's alive now. You were dead and you're alive now. And there's an effect to that. There's a purpose to that. And it, that purpose, while partially has to do with you, mostly it doesn't. Just like everything in this world that you have as a gift, your health, your breath, your life, your home, your church, your family, all of those things don't have their exhaustion in you. They have their exhaustion in living through you to point attention to God. And as we celebrate the life of Jesus this morning, and as we celebrate the no longer death of Jesus, understand that that's in us as well. Because Paul is not finished with Ephesians 2.6. He finishes with Ephesians 2.7. You have been made alive and you have been raised so that in the coming ages, in April of 2015, is the coming ages. You have been raised and been made alive so that today Jesus might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Do you know that you are an advertisement for the grace and kindness of Jesus? That is one of the things that Paul is teaching us here that is the purpose of the resurrection. Jesus rose so that he might change you and so that that change in you might have an effect and an impact on this world. So how are you doing with that? What are you doing with that? That's, that's, a, that's a hard question. What are you doing with your life? And I'm not just saying the 70 years you'll spend on this planet. That's a, that's a different sort of life. What are you doing with the life that only Jesus is able to give to you? Is your life drawing attention to the grace and the kindness of Jesus? And that's a, that's a hard question. It's a rhetorical question. And it's a question that we could really, really easily like, write down on a piece of paper in a journal or, or ask ourselves in our mind and then in a couple of hours eat our chocolate and our, our nice lunch and give our families hugs and not deal with it. But we fail when we do that. Because Jesus is alive. And because he's alive, you've been made alive. And because you've been made alive, Jesus wants to draw attention to himself through you. So what are you going to do with it? My prayer this week 
has been that somehow, some way, God would change us so that we might leverage what he's done to us for his kingdom here and now. And you don't have to look around very hard to see how much this world needs grace and kindness. Like we could go back to August 9th and talk about that. We could go back to the stuff in Kenya this week. We could go to millions of children in slavery. We can go, so many things we could see. We, we can go into your bedroom and your marriage. We could go into your children's bedroom and how you parent. We can go into your workplace. Grace needs to happen everywhere. And the beautiful part about Easter is exactly what Jesus did in that grave, in that tomb, is exactly what he's done in your heart. And the purpose of that is not just to put a smile on your face, though it does. The purpose of that is to go and proclaim this message. Uh, a, a really good friend of mine, who I hadn't talked to in a long time, passed away a couple of weeks ago. Her name was Martha Curlis. A lot of you guys know her. Um, beautiful woman. In my, my former job at, at, as a, a youth pastor, she was front and center. No human being prayed more for what happened in the students at First Baptist Church of Ferguson than Martha Curlis. And very few people, I would think, prayed for me more than her. And she was always present at every opportunity she had to encourage our kids. And she had three kids. And the night that she died, they were all three gathered. They're adults. Um, uh, they all three gathered in her hospital room. And they said, Julie, her youngest, who's my age, said to her mom, Mom, what, what one thing would you want me to do with my life? What one thing would you want me to tell people to do with their lives, to, to raise your grandkids to do with their lives? She said two words. Follow Jesus. And what it means to follow Jesus is to willingly walk towards your death. In an obedient way, not a disobedient way. And then be raised by the power of God. And be raised by the power of God, not so that it just might end with you, but you might proclaim that truth to a, to a world that so desperately needs to hear and sense and be shown grace and kindness. This is Easter don't let Easter just be something you celebrate. Let Easter be something that happens to you. Let's, uh, let's pray and sing some more. And we've got some celebrating to do. Do you hear me? We've got some celebrating to do. We have some celebrating to do. God, you are beautiful. Oh, you are so beautiful. God, I pray. I pray for my own heart. 
God, I pray that you would make me alive so that I might be a proclamation of your grace and your kindness. And the result of me, that this would not just be my resurrection, but a resurrection that I give away and I show grace and I show kindness. And may all of us live there, God. May Easter not just be something that we celebrate, but something that happens to us. You are a good and perfect and holy God. And somehow, in your perfect plan, that could have been anything, your perfect plan was to send your son Jesus Christ to die and rise so that we might die and rise. And use us to proclaim. Father, would you burn into our brains? Would you push to the front of our minds that the resurrection is ours, but it's not our own? Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name that I pray.